generosity, we immediately think finances, but we also start to picture people in our head, right? You hear like, that person is just so generous. Uh, If you've ever done something where you have to fundraise, like you know who the generous people are, right? That's who you want to go talk to because they're very, uh, they're very giving. We hear, we hear that, we picture people. What is it, what what are those generous people like? Uh, what, what, What does it mean to be a generous person? Uh, we tense up when we hear generosity because we think somebody's just going to ask us about money. But it goes so much further be, beyond that. Generosity is much more about our attitude and our heart than it is our money. And here's the thing. Last month I, ta- I told you guys this. Missions shouldn't be something we just do, right? Missions should be something we are. It just comes out of us. Well, today I want to contend to you that generosity shouldn't be something we just do. It should be something that overflows out of us. That's who we are. We're just generous people. Right, because it, it 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 comes out of the inside. Jesus talked about it, right? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right, like everything flows from the inside out, and we have to be generous, and uh, we have to have this attitude of generosity. Uh, should we be smart about it? Of course, but should we be generous? Absolutely. So I just want to walk you through some definitions of generosity, and I want to give you a little bit of historical context because as I started researching generosity, I learned some stuff, right? Uh, sometimes you guys think pastors up here, we know everything and we just tell you what we already know, but you know what? Sometimes we have to research stuff and really get to know what, what was going on in scripture. So the very first question when we, we start talking about this generosity topic is this, is what is generosity? What is the definition of generosity? If you look it up in the dictionary, there's a few uh, definitions, liberal in giving or characterized by a noble or kindly spirit. Uh, But then as I started digging, I noticed something interesting about that definition. If you look up generosity in the dictionary, what I just read to you is actually the second definition listed under generosity. You know how they like list them in like most common usages and stuff when when you look up a word. The first one is this. The first definition is listed as an archaic word meaning highborn. Okay, so like of, of noble class basically. So as I started researching generosity, I found some really interesting things about it. You guys want to hear this? Like anybody like a history buff? Put your hands down. I don't want to be critiqued later, but uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. As I was, I was reading, I found some papers and I was reading and uh, generosity and the idea of generous comes from the Latin word generosis. And that actually referred to one's birth or their origins. And it was adapted from the meaning of the word genesis, the Greek word genesis or beginning. And what I started to uncover is the very first usages of the word genus were gen, or, uh, generous, there we go, not genesis, generous, were actually used in context to people of high class and nobility. All right? So as, you know, like this is, I just was like, what? what? Like, what does that mean? Here's what happened in culture. And at the time that scripture was going on, and we, we read some of these stories, and they're talking about generous, this is very, very important. People were generous only if they were of high class and had wealth. They, they had plenty of wealth to go around, and it was actually a cultural expectancy that they would be generous with their wealth to people who didn't have it, right? So you had these different classes, right? The high class, they were born into a noble family. You know, like, you gotta, you gotta think your history brains here for a second, right? Uh, they had all this wealth, and they were expected to give the, to those who were needy. In return, the people who were needy and received from that person were expected to pledge their loyalty to that noble. All right? So when you read in historical context what a generous person was, it was a generous person who gave in hopes to get back. 
right? Does that make a little bit more sense as we're kind of explaining this? So noble people would go around giving, not only because it was a societal norm, but because they wanted a favor later. They wanted their vote on something. They wanted them to support them. They wanted, you know, their goods or something. And they would be generous to people uh, in response. We call that a quid pro quo, right? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? So this is the historical context for this idea of generosity. Aristotle, clear, you know, the ancient philosopher, clear back, would talk about people of noble birth, and they were uh, magnanimous, or however you say that word. I hope I didn't butcher it. But uh, it was all in, re- in, in reference to that they were born into it, and they, they were superior to everybody else, and they should be generous because they were of superior status to everybody else. It's this really interesting historical context. Because what we see in Scripture is generous does not work that way. Being generous does not work with the you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And that made what was being taught in Scripture and what Paul was teaching and what Jesus taught completely countercultural. Because they lived in a Roman and Greek society where it was expected if somebody gave something to you, you owed them something. Does that make sense? We have to understand this context first because it changes the way we understand how the Scripture reads. They 100% believed if somebody richer than them, you know, threw them a, threw them a bone, they owed them something. And the, the upper class never gave anything without expecting something back. So both ends were on the wrong, right? So when Jesus inserts himself here, and we see in Scripture all these things talking about generosity, it is so completely countercultural, people couldn't, like, get on the same level because it didn't make sense to them. What do you mean I can give without expecting anything back. What do you mean somebody can give to me and help me out and I don't owe them anything? It just, it, it messed with people. That's why I think it's addressed so often because it was so foreign to them, it didn't register. And oftentimes we find ourselves kind of trapped in the same cycle. We kind of know better, right? Like if you've had any sort of reading the Bible, you know that's not really how it works. And, and certainly in, in the United States, we believe in being generous and most of the time without wanting to receive anything back. But uh, if, if you think of workplaces and businesses and stuff and politics, it, it's almost all that way, isn't it? You do somebody a favor so they owe you a favor. You help somebody out and say, what are you going to do for me? Or before you help somebody out, you say, what's in it for me? But scripture actually calls us to a different kind of generosity, a generosity that's countercultural, a generosity that does not expect anything in return. So that's our historical context for being generous. Uh, but why should we be generous? That's, that, that's what generosity is, but why? Why should we be generous? I want to contend to you uh, that we should be generous because from the beginning of time, God has been generous with us. And if you, uh, some of you have joined me on a, it was just a short four-day Bible reading plan. Uh, some of you joined. It was a really phenomenal plan. It, it, it rocked my world. It had tons of scripture. You'll hear some things from that that I uh, put in here. But what we see in scripture from beginning to end is a picture of a completely generous God. A God that gave freely. Because you know what? He didn't have to create us. He didn't have to rescue us. He didn't have to fix it. He's God. But because God is love and created us out of his love and wanting us to choose him, he was generous. And we see it from beginning to end of the Bible, Genesis 1.29. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed on it. They will be yours for food. He's talking to Adam and Eve, right? I'm giving 
this to you. And then you jump to the very end, the book of Revelation, right? Revelation 21, 6. Uh, he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And a few short verses later in twenty two seventeen, 17, uh, it follows up and says, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. That's the bookends to the Bible, right? From beginning to end, we see this beautiful picture of a generous God. But of course, we know that the most significant gift of all was God being generous with his son, right? John three sixteen, And then 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, for though that he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Right? Do you guys see, like, what God showed us through these scriptures is a complete act of generosity and selflessness. He gave. And he gave until it hurt. It hurt God. Jesus suffered and died for our free gift. And yet, for some reason, we get this idea in our head that we, we shouldn't give or we shouldn't be generous of spirit or of, of, of word or action. But it's so clear that Scripture, from beginning to end, calls us to be countercultural, to do something that doesn't make sense, to give uh, of our, our words and time and affections and actions and, yes, money and all of that stuff. Why? Because God already did it to us and continues to do it for us. And someday when we get to that side of eternity, we will see just how generous God has been with us. It, I, I like, I'm getting super passionate about it because I think we just fail to see how generous God has been for us because we get so short-sighted in how much we're hurt right now. Or how much somebody else slighted us. Or that the world's not fair. Or, <clears throat> or these things happen and instead we should be focusing on, man, in the beginning, God gave. At the end, God gives. In the middle, God gave his very, very best. So why do we think we should just keep it to ourselves? Why? And I do it too. I'm, I'm naturally like a stingy person, right? Like I, I, I don't know. It's, it's part of the way I was raised. Like we, we never had much money. My parents were always generous, so I don't want to say like they were super stingy, but like there was just never much money to go around. So it was, it, you know, it just kind of created this hoarder mentality, right? Like you just kind of hold on to everything and you, you don't want to get rid of it because you never know if you'll get another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just this naturally stingy person and, and Jody and I both together, we're both naturally like kind of like savers and like, oh, I don't know, we better save that money for ourselves and, you know, like uh, do that. And then, as I've seen missions happen, I know that God's been working on my heart to be more generous too, but that, I'll probably talk about that one next week. But today we're talking about generosity of spirit, right? Because we may not have a lot of finances. We may not have a lot of time. But can you be generous with your words? Can you be generous with your interactions with people? Can we do those things? I, yes. And should we do those things? Absolutely. Why? Because God was generous with us first, and he continues to show and lead by example throughout all time. In the beginning, at the end, and in the middle.
So how do we have this generosity of spirit? First of all, it is a heart thing. It starts right here. And it starts with my love of God. And I've talked about this at at length over the last months, right? Like we have to have that solid foundation. We have to have that, that, that solid relationship with Christ. And if my heart's in the right spot and I then want to be like Christ, I want to be like God. That's our goal as Christians, right? Like I want to be more like you. We sing songs about it all the time. I want to be more like you, God. Make me more like you. Uh, Then guess what? God was generous. So it needs to start here. And then I need to be generous just like God has been asking me to be this whole time and saying, I already did it. I was generous even to a cross. It starts right here in our heart. And then we start to apply it to our words and we start to apply it to our actions. And uh, one thing that it said in our devotion this week is when you're in God's presence, everything on you, around you, and in you becomes something you want to use to worship him or give back generously to God. And all of a sudden we start viewing things as if they're not ours because guess what? They're not in the first place. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven. So when we can start to change our heart to be more like Christ, and then we start understanding, like, none of this is mine in the first place, guess what starts to happen? You start to see opportunities to be generous. You start to see opportunities where you can speak a word of encouragement into somebody and not expect a compliment back. Uh, I, I know that I have done this, like, you know, I'll give a compliment hoping somebody, like, pats my back too, and like, you're doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, thank you just how I drew it up, you know? <laughs> we, we get that way, but we can legitimately give of ourselves and say, man, I just appreciate everything you've done. And we're not expecting anything back. Uh, we've been poured into generously, so we should pour out generously, right? I mean, are, are you guys tracking me with me this morning? This is, this is so central to the gospel theme, right? Because we've been given the best news in the world, and yet we're selfish with it. And not only that, God has blessed us and we're selfish with that. When we can change our hearts and we can overflow and we can give and we can not look for anything in return because guess what? God's already given to us and then also we're gonna be rewarded in heaven someday. I mean, so if you're really in it for like the rewards, they are coming. But that shouldn't be our driving force. The reward is eternal relationship with God. The reward is a savior who lived and died on a cross for us and was resurrected for our sins so that we can, we can make it. We can make it to that finish line of eternity someday and say this is what it was and this was worth it. This was it. And it's so hard because we, uh, and I've talked about this one at length as well, we are, uh, we're so stuck with our tunnel vision and the way we see time. And everything seems so big and important in our lives. And then you know what happens as years go by? That all fades. That all fades. And we get stuck by that. And sometimes we're like, oh, I got I to gotta have this, this thing because I just got to have it. Or I got I to gotta keep that to self. Or it's going to cost me something. Right? Uh, sometimes if we want to be generous, it costs us something. It may cost us finances. But it also may cost us uh, a little bit of uncomfortableness to share what God's done in our life with somebody who's never heard it before. It may cost us, uh, you know, outing ourselves as a Christian. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it costs us. We get really tense about it because it's mine. (laughs) 
It's mine. One of the biggest fights in our house is it's mine. Right? If you have kids or been around kids, like toddlers do it especially, but shoot, my kids are eight, six, five, and three, and guess what? It's mine. Leave it alone. I had that. Their favorite argument is like they're playing with a toy. They leave it. They haven't touched it in forever, and somebody comes and grabs it, and it is the end of the world. I was playing with that toy. Right? So the, like, this is just a daily view into the Krause house, right? I left that toy over there. It was mine, and you touched it. You know, like, and it is, it is just a, an emotional battle. And I wish I could say it was just the younger two, but it's all four of my kids. And uh, it's something we, we grow out of, like, the fits of, right? But guess what attitude remains? That same attitude remains. It's mine. You can't have that. We tell God that all the time, actually. You can't have that. That's my workplace. I got I to gotta keep that separate. That's my family. We, we don't talk about God. You know, the pastor just always asks for money. I, I, can't, I can't deal with that anymore. You know, like we, we close off different parts, and instead of being generous, we're like, I will be generous to this point and no further. I will be generous a little bit, I, or I won't be generous at all. I'm going to just, you know, I'm, it's my stuff. Thank you, God. God has blessed me, and it is for me, and ta-da, it's mine. But that's not the generosity we see in Scripture. God gave freely, and we should give freely. So uh, can I share an illustration with you guys? All right, I've been a kids and youth pastor for a very long time, and uh, I love illustrations, and they're fun. Uh, so, oh, I forgot my bottle of water. Uh, Claudia or Ashlyn, can you grab my bottle of water for me here? Yeah, don't throw it at me. Don't throw it at me. I think I would drop it today. Thank you. All right. So, I have this little, this cool little container here, right? And uh, it is a vessel to receive water, right? Okay, and first of all, I'm thirsty. And um, second of all, uh, I want you to just imagine for a second, this is us. This is you and me, an individual, right? Here's, here's what happens, and I, and I hope I can articulate this the way that it, it's playing in my head. Uh, God gives freely, right? So God pours into us freely, and uh, we should overflow, Right? We should overflow and let God continue to pour into us. And here's where we get stuck sometimes, though. We, we want God to pour into us, but we never pour out. Right? Yeah. I know I'm, I'm, I may be just like stepping on toes, and this may be the most uncomfortable message I've ever preached uh, to some of you, but this is what I see in Scripture, right? And uh, we're poured into, and then, then sometimes we'll hear a sermon about being generous, and it could be with money, it could be with something else, and we're like, you know what, I do need to be more generous, and I am, I'm going to pour out, and I'm going to give, and he, so we pour out, and we're like, ah, I did it, I did it, it's, thank you, God, I was generous, thank you, all right, and then we think we, we've tapped out, we think we've tapped out, and we've given, and we've, we've accomplished what God has asked us to do. But here's, here's this funny thing that happens. When we're generous and we pour out and we've got our rock-solid foundation, it's funny because it never seems to really run out. And we, we pour out and we're like, God, I, I did it. I, I gave everything. I, I've, got it. I've got nothing left to give, God. And you know what's really crazy? 
God continues to pour out into us. And we think for some reason, because it makes mathematical sense in our heads, right? I give and I give and I give and I give, and sooner or later, it's going to run out. But guess what? It keeps coming. It keeps coming. And as we're generous, guess what God's doing in response to that? He's filling us back up and being generous with us. I am blowing some of your minds right now. This is one of my favorite children's illustrations, right? So uh, I didn't mean that as an insult. If you took it that way, I'm really sorry. But this is definitely one of my favorite ones because, because of Claudia's reaction, actually. They're like, what? Right? But this is, this is the reality we live in. We pour out to a certain point and think, that's it. That's all I got. And God said, no, it's not. My grace is sufficient for you. My gifts are more than enough for you. I gave my son for you. Pour out and see what happens. (laughs) Pour out and see what happens. And it's so incredible. Look at this. We thought we could give almost nothing. And look what's come out of this jug already. And when we think we've reached the end, there's more. There's more. Because that's how generosity works. When we bless, when we give sacrificially, when we do those things, when we choose to be generous people, God keeps bringing it back. God keeps bringing it back. And I believe as a church, we've been generous. And I believe that God's going to keep bringing it back. And what does that mean? I don't know. But I'm expecting to see what it means because we as a church, as a whole, we're generous with our time. We're generous with our money. We give to missions. We do that. And guess what? We pour out and feel like there's nothing left. And it keeps coming. And it keeps coming. And it keeps coming. And I want to challenge you. Let's be generous people. You know, one of the few things that God tells us to test him in is giving of our finances. In Micah, it talks about that. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven, the storehouses of heaven. And we're like, God, but that, that time I don't have, that 10% you ask for in return, which by the way is nothing in comparison to what we've been given. Like, I'll give that, but then I'm gonna have nothing left. And he's like, no, I got more. And it just... It just keeps happening. Why? I don't know, because it's a God equation. It's not a mathematical equation. I can't make up that difference in my finances, but God can. I can't make up my sins, but God did. Do you guys, like, are you understanding why it's so important and it works to be generous? And every time we think we can't be generous anymore because there's nothing left, There's more. There's more. But where does it start? It starts here with our relationship with God. Because if we just try to give of ourselves, we're empty. We we will run dry. 
We won't be able to give anymore. The finances won't make it that far. But if, if we have that foundational relationship with God, a deep love of God, and out of that, that's what changes our hearts, that's what changes our actions, that's what changes our words. You know what? It keeps coming. It keeps coming. And I'm not standing up here preaching prosperity doctrine to you if you're worried about that, but this is what we see time and time and time again in Scripture. Give and it will be given unto you. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. The early church talked about it. They were generous with their time. They shared everything. No one was without need because they shared everything. They took care of the widows and orphans. They gave of their finances. They gave of their time. They gave of their lives. The early church was so heavily persecuted. Actually, they attribute that to the rapid growth of Christianity. And that's why we see such rapid growth of Christianity in China. Right now is because they're oppressed and persecuted. And yet it thrives all the more. It's crazy. They, people are sacrificing their lives for this good news. So why should we be any different? To me, the call in Scripture is clear that as we uh, get to know Christ and endeavor to be more like him, we should be generous like him. We should give of ourselves, and we should just keep pouring out without wanting anything back, but also knowing that in that God equation, we give and we give and we give, and God is refilling, refilling, refilling. In the math equation, it makes no sense. But in a God equation, it makes perfect sense. Why? Because he's God. He's bigger than, than everything else. He owns the cattle on a thousand. Like I could give you all the like typical quotes, right? Like, but we don't need to do that. We can just understand that from Genesis to Revelation, God is a generous God. And if we want to be more like him, we also need to be generous. We have the best gift in the world of all time. We know Jesus. That is the best gift of all time for all people in all places. And we need to be generous with that gift. We need to be generous people. And that's what God is calling us to do today. So today I want to I kind of wrap this all up and, and um, I just want to remind you of just a few things. I found this quote, and uh, it was an anonymous quote, but it says this, if we inhabit a, a world of good and perfect gifts from God, right? If we live in a world created and sustained by one who is not distant, but actually near and among us, and if our world is a world that's stamped from the beginning to the end by divine generosity, then it stands to reason that we ought to risk a generosity of spirits. And I found that so personally challenging because God was so generous with us. We should take a risk to be generous to others. And in, in a society that really hasn't changed a whole lot since those Roman times of like, you know, give and, you know, expecting something back, the quid pro quo, like all that stuff, it still is countercultural to give without expecting something back. But that's what God desires out of us. That's what God desired. A free gift. That's what he gave us. It's incredible. So I want to leave you with a challenge today. 